Welcome, everybody. This is Dan Takini with Blood Nethos's Everyday Hero Podcast, where you can learn about the heroic efforts of B&E grads who are out there ordering chaos and releasing beauty in the world. Hi, today we're with uh, Ryan Joseph, who's the owner of Ryan Joseph Photography. Ryan's vintage and yet contemporary style of photography is truly his own. In fact, American Photo Magazine rated him as one of the top 10 wedding photographers in the world. In his 15th year, as one of the country's elite visual artists, Ryan has been commissioned by some of the most influential people in sports, political, and the social worlds. And I can't wait for you to get to know him and his story more today. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Daniel, how are you, my friend? I am well, man. It's great to meet you here and uh, be able to have a chat with you. I'm looking forward to this. I know people will enjoy getting to know you and what you do for a living. I'm sure it's going to be something that will be inspiring. Very nice. So tell me, I'd love to talk about your story. If you could give me some background, give us some background on how you came to doing your unique style. Because if you you really want to take a look at Ryan's work, you can see it at www.rjphoto.com. I would love to hear more about what got you turned on to that and what inspired you to do this kind of work. You know, if you could sure, just... absolutely. Well, I studied photography in college at Ohio University by accident, of course. I think how most people, <laughs> most things happen for most people, I should say. I had no idea what I wanted to do when I went to college. So it happened just by chance, slash grace of God, that um, I went to a school that had a very good program. And I said, you know what, let's give this a shot and see what happens. And oh, a long time later, we'll just say that I'm, I'm still doing it. You know, when I first got into photography, I thought, you know what? I want to do sports. I want to be that, that, uh, that sports illustrated photographer because I, as, as an athlete, that's what you're, you're exposed to more than anything. And it really interests me. But then I found out well, those, those guys are a dime a dozen. Not that there's no talent out there. There's some amazing talent out there. But I mean, even worse now, well, we won't have to get into that. But at the time, there was just so much going on and you know, I just, you know what, let me try my, my, uh, my hand at, at fashion. So I went to New York City and said, you know what, let's see what we can learn there. Um, stayed there for a couple of years, knowing I full well, I was just, I was coming back. I just went there to just kind of absorb what was going on in that scene. And thank God I did because that's absolutely not what I wanted to do. So I found that out. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's part of an expert. You know, you being an expert is you find out more about what you don't want to do than, and then that kind of narrows absolutely. you in. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I, got, I was in the, you know, I, I did some work in the fashion world and the commercial world. And I don't know, it just, it just seemed empty for lack of a better word. And maybe I just didn't get any, I didn't get any breaks there, but I don't, I don't know if it was just that or it was just supposed to be, just supposed to be that way, I guess. And, uh, I did still life photography. I think my first job was for a, a Jegs catalog. And if you know the Midwest, they have a, a big automotive part worldwide, I believe it is, called Jegs. And uh, I got hired by the photographer that I was actually working for at the time to shoot their catalog. And basically what it was is eight hours a day shooting these tiny little parts of things I had no idea what they were on just a white background. <laughs> and so I, and, and, and not the most exciting work. Uh, so you know what? I need I need people. I need I need some some feedback on what we're doing here. So it yeah. just again, and it's it's still evolving, you know. And that was yeah. well, what got you into the vintage because I'll tell you, I mean the, the the images are stunning and they're inspiring. So there's no doubt there's a deep inspiration sure. and, and love well, for what you're doing. Corey, well, I was blessed with I was able to cut my teeth in the film world, meaning film photography, mm-hmm. where I go into the dark room and I expose. Uh, process and then print all of my my photographs and so 
I, I can't tell you how, how lucky I was to be a part of that. And uh, then that transition. But, but during that time, there was, there was work that, that was very inspirational to me. And especially from the older guys, I should say, from the 30s and 40s and 50s. And <laughs> the lack of technology that those men had and women, that they were able to produce the most amazing work that still stands to this day. And that, that's always inspirational to me. And I knew that that was a direction that I'd like to be influenced. Uh, that's, that's a direction I was influenced from. And that's how I'd like to somehow blend in with the work that I do because I know it was classic. I knew it was it was going to have legs. It wasn't going to be a trendy cliche of, of work in that particular area. This is work that we've loved from the 30s, from the 40s till now. It's never, mm-hmm. it's yeah, never it's shifted. Yeah. And it's, again, it's in black and white photography is timeless in itself. But those, those early guys, the Cartier-Bressons, the Walker Evans, the L.A. Erwitz, those are the ones that I got to study and I got to emulate. So that's, awesome. that's where, where, it, where it came from. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it shows. I mean, your inspiration shows all over it. Um, what would you say was the turning point for you pursuing it? I mean, was there a time when you just decided, you know what, this is what, I'm interested in those moments because, like, this is what I want to do. I know for me in training and development, there was a time when I decided, I really realized this is what my life is about. Well, and, and I'm still turning. <laughs> there was really no no moment that said, yes, that's what I want to do. And it's evolved into what we're doing now. And it's always been inspired and it always has been inspired by who I just spoke of. And then you get into the more modern portrait photographers like, you know, Dan Winter, Mark Seliger, those guys just kind of took it and, and inspired me even more. And I don't know these guys from Adam as far as from a personal basis, but you cannot help when you're in my world to see them and acknowledge the, the beautiful work that they do and obviously get inspired by that. Um, I knew there was a way to bring that to the masses and, and get paid for it. So yeah. how, how do you do that? How do you, I mean, everybody, no one's reinventing a wheel. We all know that. So, mm-hmm. so what can I take from all that past history and, and incorporate that into to create something that I hope is my own. And mm-hmm. so that's where that evolution and that, that, uh, that still turning comment. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, Steve Jobs, I love what Steve Jobs says about creativity. It's, it's connecting things, right? And we're never, you know, as long as we're breathing, I would, it appears to me that we're always creating. And I love your account for it because I think the idea that, you know, we just had this in our mind and we were going to do it, but it's more of a progressive revelation that's influenced by a, a number of different directions and minds and inspirations is realistic, you know, and it's great to hear that even now, as you're considered one of the top, you know, wedding photographers in the world, that you're still looking and creating and and uh, evolving, right? Yeah, and it was a turning point. One of the turning points was that I thought, or I finally come to believe and realize that there was other work to be done other than wedding photography. No, get me wrong, wedding photography allowed me to do a lot of things, but I know that's not specifically all that I was here to do. And so right. I knew telling stories of, 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 of marriages and then that transitioned into families. How, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. So how, how can we just keep that, that story going, not just for them, but for, for generations after them? Because that's the most important thing for me because I look back, for instance, my parents' wedding album, any, any photographs that I've seen, whether I know the people or not, I just appreciate the beauty. It's like, okay, how did this picture end, end up in an antique store? Where, is these, where are their families? Wouldn't they want to have this? You know, <laughs> so how, how, does, how does that happen? But um, I, I just, I want 
to give my clients something that they're going to have for the rest of their lives. And that's crazy important. Um, we, we've kind of lost that in the digital world. Yeah. Know, well, I tell you what. firsthand, I know how important it is. We just came through these fires up here. And the first oh God, thing yeah. I've heard people went to grab were all their family photos. Thank God my dad is a, a maniac about digitizing everything. Once he learned how to use a computer, that's it. Right. If, if it could be digitized, it is. And so, um, you know, he had the unfortunate, you know, luck to have his house burned down. And, oh and also his, you know, he lost his um, storage unit, which they had all kinds of antiques and things saved from my grandfather's opening of the first talking motion picture theater north oh, San Francisco. You, you just so, never know. I mean, yeah. what, so having yes, those photos can, are right. huge, man. I mean, huge. My mother just died as also as a result of this fire and, and having all those photos were really you know, powerful for all of us completing and grieving my mother's loss and just mm-hmm. celebrating her life as well. God bless her. And uh, that's, that's, I tell you what, that's our legacy, right? And yeah. Uh, technology is going to enhance that, but it's not going to replace that. Yeah. So I, I don't know how many friends of mine that they keep just all of their pictures on their phone or on their little, com- their little point and shoot camera, but they don't do anything with them. They haven't backed them up. They haven't done much to preserve their legacy. Right. And so, yeah, yeah. because it's just become so easy, we forget about it. Well, I'll just take another one. Well, yeah. okay. But what about that? That just happened that you'll never, that will never happen again. So yeah. how do we do that? How do we do that and make that important again? And that's kind of what the mission I'm on right now is, is to bring back what that, that is. And we've been pushing the word heirloom quite a bit lately because that's, that's what they are. It's not about yeah. thousands of photographs. It's about these, these important, meaningful times in our lives that we print and then we can touch them and feel them and smell them and hang them on the wall and pass them down. Because who knows, 30, 40, 50 years from now, are you going to be able to read the technology that's, that's happening now? Like a JPEG, for instance. Mm-hmm. What happens if you're not? You know, yeah, where all, all I know is what's 100% archival is the printed photograph and the framed photograph in the book. And that tangible, like I said, feel it, touch it, hold it, smell it, heirloom that you're going to keep the rest of your lives. So yeah. that, that's, my, that's my soapbox, Dan, right there. <laughs> well, I got it, man. I, you know, it's kind of my soapbox as far as, relationship is the only thing you have is the moment. And if you're having, if you're really showing up in the moment and you capture it, you're going to want to save it to remember and to remind you of what that moment was about. So it makes a lot of sense to me. It fits with the work that I do. In fact, we always take a photo after each training and usually people are photo, photographing their new friends and, mm-hmm. you know, and family and relationships to save those as well. So it makes a lot of sense to me. Right, right, right. So tell me, um, you also did the Revenant process. Tell me how that's impacted your personal and professional life. Oh, good Lord. Yes. Um, I, and and I, I've thanked you, but I can't thank you enough for that, that time we spent together last November. Um, it's absolutely life-changing. Um, what it did for me, it was, I don't know, it just made me think differently, right? It, it challenged me. It, it challenged my reasoning and challenged my vision of what else could be true because I was the first one in line to shoot something down, even w- whether you, it came out of my wife's mouth or my head. <laughs> it was a great idea at the split second, but I'll find a way to, to, um, to, to bury it. And I never knew why I did that, kind of still don't. Mm-hmm. But now the shift was, okay, let's get curious about this. What, what does this look like? It's not immediately shot down um, as a I don't know, a dumb idea or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's now a curiosity. If that's the only thing, which it wasn't, but if that was the only thing that I took away from that, 
that w- that was it was worth every minute that I spent there. Well, you know, I um, interesting you mentioned that because I've been doing some more research on been doing a lot of research around. I continue to around neuroscientific research, you know, brain science, that kind of thing, and it's very interesting because. There's a great book called Adam's Return by Richard Rohr. One of the things he talks about in the book is what happens to men when they, when the big ideas that they pursue and the, and they, and the heroes that they follow fall, we tend to have what's called, it's called neuropruning. And neuropruning is when millions of neuro, neurons, both in your brain and around your chest and in your heart, actually die. And what's replaced is the mood of cynicism. Mm. Uh, um, and so, uh, and it, they can be regenerated, but they get regenerated with, through curiosity and through imagination, through exercising the imagination of wondering and reopening the possibility of a big vision and, and also the realistic idea of following heroes, knowing that they're human, not perfect, and right. being able to have them inspire uh, as well as inform what it means to be human and what it means to aspire to something much bigger than myself. And they notice that that men, if we don't have that initiative experience between 13 and 18 or 14 and 18, that this neuropruning occurs and that the more cynical we get, the more difficult it is to regenerate those neurons. And so, you know, it's just like that that willingness to believe again, that willingness to Commit again. If it, I don't even know if it's believing, I think it's just mm-hmm. committing and then allowing myself to be taught and trained and, and brought up, you know, kind of brought along by someone I admire and that, you know, that's already accomplished in the area that I'm seeking to give myself to. Right. And, and commitment, that's been a huge word for me. And, and it, it is synonymous with believing, I, I, I will say. But, you know, this, this process that I'm going through my business is transitioning not just to shoot weddings, but now to do more portrait work. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to do as many weddings as I've done in the past. So how, how is that? What does that look like? And, and what is it? What's the message that I wanted to, to communicate to prospective clients? But the scariest part about it is, is, is can I do this? Yeah, Am I can- committed to, to <laughs> stepping off of that, that ledge and, and going after this? Yeah, the because, risk. The oh risk my gosh! Yeah, it's it, and there have been times and not too distant past that that it's been. I'm not going to say debilitating, but you know, sleepless nights. We'll just call that. Yeah. And um, you know, I have a wife and a and a 11 year old little girl that I need to take care of, right? And so, for whatever reason, when you get into your 40s, you start telling yourself these stories, right, about you know where we're supposed to be. Yeah. This particular yeah. age, who would I shoot? I'm 60. I'm still not to 40. <laughs> <laughs> instead of asking why and how, right? And so, you know, what is this that's, that's this thing that's in me that wants to, to pursue this work, work that I feel is important, okay? Yes, I, I'm committed to it, but, but there's a, a little scary part because I'm a control freak. I, up until I, now. <laughs> up until now, there you go. <laughs> I, and that's, one, that's my second, what else could be true? And up until now, those are the, the two phrases that shifted my, my ability to think and uh, to think differently. And so, you know, I just, I want, I want to have a message that my clients will say, you know what, nobody's ever put it that way before. I've never heard of someone come, come to me with the importance of what our legacy is all about and how we, how we can preserve that. So what does that look like? So then they become curious. 
And so it just, the the ball starts rolling. You start creating beautiful work together and there you go. But it it requires that willingness to risk. I think, you know, um, Seth Godin, I was listening to him one time and he asked the question, what do you care enough about that you're willing to do even if you knew you were going to fail? It's a great question. Yeah, it's like, even if you know you're going to fail, you're willing to do it because even the failures are, are, or at least what you would consider a failure is worth the journey. It's worth giving yourself to. It's rewarding. Wonderful question to pose to yourself, but it sure is. It, it's, a, it's scary as hell too. You know? yeah. yeah. Well, there's no doubt that there's, I don't think there's any mitigate. I don't think there's any making light of it or avoiding the the fear. I think the, the edge that goes along with taking a risk, but at the same time, it also stimulates new parts of the brain for creativity. If you take that fear with you, right? It mm-hmm. starts to cause you to think in ways you would have never thought of unless you did take the leap, unless you reached out there and, you know, for the edge or the new horizon that you're not quite sure you've never done it before. It's unprecedented. You can see the failure or the possibility of failure at the same time you're reinventing or inventing the possibility of succeeding through each failure until it starts to happen. Right. Absolutely. And I've got, I've got a lot of those failures in, <laughs> in my bag. And so, you know, we're, we're playing off each one of them to try to, to grow and, and, and create and provide. And now you, you actually, you travel the world when you do your work. Do you take your family with you? We do. And a lot of the work that we do internationally is, is going to be in Italy. And that's where my wife, my wife's family uh, are from. They're from the, just the southern part, just south of Naples. And so we try to incorporate that. Just A, we love it. B, we want that experience for our little one. And yeah. and so how do we then create some work over there that now it hasn't been as much as I'd like it to be. We get to go back this this summer to Lake Como for three days and shoot there. Nice. But you know, it we're trying as far as getting a message out to um, just a small audience that we do have there. And so that, that uh, I haven't had a lot of time to pursue that because I'm, just, I'm, I'm working on my, uh, my hometown here and, and getting that message out. So but, where do you live? Let them know, Tampa. Or you're in, um, where you're in Florida. Tampa. Mm-hmm. Tampa, that's what I thought. Yeah. We have a studio in South Tampa. My wife's a hair and makeup artist and uh, we, we share studio space. We compliment one another very well. And she is a fantastic, beautiful Italian woman. I don't know how I'm not 50 pounds heavier. She <laughs> is mean. an unbelievable cook, but more importantly, she's an amazing lady. Yeah, she is. I really enjoyed having dinner with you a couple of times, but particularly over at Jeff and Julia's. It was wonderful. So it was great meeting you there and getting to know you guys. And then later on in the training. So I really, really wanted people to get a sense of who you are and what you offer, because I think many people out there, particularly if they're getting ready to get married or, there, there's a, there's a monumental, you know, uh, one of those moments that are defining in life. It's a great opportunity to contact you and really memorialize that moment. And and if you take a look at Ryan's work, I think you'll know exactly what I mean once you take a look at how inspired it is. So we're we're still evolving. So yeah, keep keep, keep following us. We're on Instagram at, at Ryan Joseph Photographs and our website at rjphoto.com. So. We're always putting new work up, especially on the Instagram feed. Um, again, that, that evolution process continues. That's great to, to be uh, follow Ryan. I know I have. I know you will enjoy his images and his creativity. So 
Ryan, thank you for your time. And um, I look forward to what the future holds. Amen. Thank you, Dan. All right, brother. Take care. If you like what you heard today, please check out the Hero Being Process, an eight-week online gymnasium designed to support you in transforming your ability to heroically fulfill your unique purposes with freedom, love, and creativity. Available at theherobeing.com. Until next month, keep kicking at the indifference until it bleeds life.